2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we started a series last week about managing fear. And there are approximately 108 different fears in the world today. Everything from the fear of of accidents to the fear of others, the fear of being alone, the fear. And you know, it's interesting, I mentioned that. Uh, that's one of the things that has come up in my life since my wife passed away, is, you know, I'm all alone now after 51 years, so what do I do? I mean, you know, I, and so fear. Uh, fear of not enough money to buy the essentials, fear of being rejected, fear of being laughed at or thought dumb or, or religious. There's even a fear of fear. It's a phobophobia. And so fear is so devastating to our lives. Fear will, it can bring sickness onto an individual. It can bring jealousy in, in a relationship where people have been married for years. It can cause an individual to lie or to cheat. It can destroy long-term relationships. It can keep a person from, fear can keep a person from finding a job. I know a young man, uh, thank you very much, uh, Dave and Dave. I know a young man who's in his prime and he can't find a job. And the reason he can't find a job is he's afraid to go to an interview. Uh, it scares him. Uh, fear can cripple or, or uh, disable an individual so badly that they can't work or even function in the fundamentals of daily work life. Fear can be that devastating. And so it can change the way a person acts. Um, fear is just very debilitating. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible says that fear has torment. And rightfully so. Fear has been around. We learned last week that fear has been around as long as there are humans on the earth. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had sinned, the Bible said that when God came in the cool of the evening and called out, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Adam said, I hid myself because I was afraid, because I had sinned. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where the disciples even accused Jesus of not loving them. They were in a storm and Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And they run back there and they go, don't you care that we're going to perish? And so fear uh, causes us to do funny things. Uh, this is a rhetorical question, but I know in my life, I can remember when my daughters were little and they would do something that would scare me, even though they were okay, nothing. I would go, what's the matter with you? And then all of a sudden, it would dawn on me, the reason I was that way, I was afraid, fear. And so, fear can be very debilitating. Now, notice this about, we learned last week about 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. And so natural means we learned last week are not going to work against it. This is why non-Christian psychiatrists, psychologists, and life coaches, uh, their means are not effective in dealing with fear because they're trying to deal with fear from a natural standpoint. 
But fear is a spirit. As a matter of fact, if you look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, it says this, For though we live or walk in the natural man, in the flesh, we do not war by natural means. It says that. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not through the natural man, but they're mighty through God. In Galatians, or in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul said this way, This is not our life, is not a wrestling match against a human opponent, but it, we are wrestling with rulers, authorities, the powers who govern this world of darkness, and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. Fear is a spirit. And we learned that last week. And non-Christian people will try to teach you to live with your fear. Well, you're just going to have to live with it and overcome it. But as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we learned last week that the Bible teaches us that we don't have... Fear is not God's will for us. We can resist fear and it will have to go away. Now... We also learned last week that fear and faith are two spirits that often go in the same direction, but with different results. And I gave you the example of the parent who changed... I'm having trouble speaking this morning. I wonder if it's what I ate for breakfast. I've been doing my own cooking. You don't even... Yeah, I know it's that funny. Believe me, I got news for you. But I'll tell you what. Buy stock in oatmeal and buy stock in eggs and milk, okay, you'll, you'll be just fine. Um, parents teaching their, their, their sons or their daughters. You have one parent who teaches that child not to go out in the street, but they do it by fear. What's the matter with you? Don't go out on the street, you're gonna get run over, blah, blah. They teach them by fear. And when they walk away, they're gonna notice a little while later that that child's back probably out in the street again, why? Because the vehicle that brought the fear on that child at that moment is resident in the individual and they're gone. So fear is no longer in that individual. But you get a parent who teaches their child according to the word of God and takes the time and prays over their child and teaches them in faith. Why? When that parent's gone, the presence of the Lord doesn't leave that child and neither does that teaching. And it stays with that child. See, but that both fear and faith wanted to teach a child to stay out of the street. And then, so we learn that fear is a spirit and it must be dealt with on, on a spiritual level. And we learned last week the first step in dealing with fear is not to panic. When you panic, you become part of the problem, not the solution. Let me say that again. When you panic, you become part of the problem not the solution. And when you panic, you lose your ability to function properly. And I told you the true story of our daughter. When she was about nine or ten, she came out of her bedroom one day into the kitchen, and there was a mouse. And believe it or not, she stood there and went, Aah! and believe it or not, the mouse just went running around in circles right in front of her. And she stopped, and the mouse went back underneath the refrigerator. And she calmed down, but a couple days later, we smelled this awful smell, and we moved the refrigerator, and the mouse had died. Now, you know, she lost her ability to function properly. That mouse wasn't going to attack her. 
but she lost her ability. And when you, when you panic, you lose your ability to function properly. We learned last week that deception is at the root of all fear. Deception. In other words, the devil, because if, understand, if fear doesn't come from God, and it doesn't, then it must come from the devil. And when you panic, what's going to happen is this. The fear, the enemy, is going to try to get you to believe that things are worse than they are, or they're going to be worse than they are. That's what he's going to try and get you to do. And that just increases the fear. I mean, I've seen people come totally apart. So number one, don't panic. Number two, remember whose you are, we learned last week. Remember whose you are. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, according to the Bible, if you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you ask God to forgive you for your sin, the Bible says you're saved. You're a believer. Okay? That's what it says. You are a child of the Most High God. First John tells us, what love has God shown us that we can be called children of God? Think of this. The creator of the heavens and the earth thinks so highly of you that he has embraced you as his child. And he, we all know that there are some people in our family we wish would belong to other families. Especially when they come around us and we have to go, yeah, they're my, part of my family. You know, we don't want to admit they're part of our family. But they are. But God's never that way. When you panic, you forget that God loves you. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. God still loves you. You can never do anything bad enough to make God quit loving you. If that was the case, let me share with you something. If that was the case, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he would have put up on top of that for the whole world except you, Don, or except me, Owen, or except you. He would have put that up there. But he didn't. And when you remember whose you are, then the enemy, fear cannot come in. See, when you give in to fear, you forget whose you are and the fact that you have his promise of protection and you began to feel alone and you began to feel deserted and you forget God's promise of protection and, and that he would never leave you nor forsake you. And, and last week I gave you multiple scriptures about God's promises. Isaiah 41.10, Psalm 23.4, Psalm 27.1. And so God has promised because he loves you to protect you just as a parent protects its child. When is a bear or an animal at its worst? Most vicious. When someone attacks its child. Amen. Let me tell you something. As a child of God, you let somebody or something attack you. Let me tell you something. They're attacking God. God doesn't like that at all. So remember whose you are. And the second part of remembering whose you are was this. That you have authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in line with your will. Now I know, church, 
I know that there are a lot of people that have abused this authority of the believer and misused it. I know that. But just because something's been misused and abused does not mean that it's not right. It just means that that individual has misused it and abused it. But the Bible says that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that I have a covenant with Him. I have a blood covenant with God Almighty. That's what the Bible says. When we take communion today, as we take the juice, it says, this is the surety, the guarantee of the new covenant. And so... When you forget whose you are, you forget that you have authority over all the power of the enemy. First John 4.4 4. The Spirit, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. Whether you like it or not, when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and resides within you. Instead of residing in a tabernacle made by hands, He lives inside of you. And the Bible says that Greater is the spirit who lives in you than the spirit who lives in the world. And Jesus said in Luke, in the Gospels, listen, I've given you authority in my name. I've given you authority in my name. You, you can tread on serpents and scorpions. And he's not talking about natural serpents and natural scorpions. That's, that's, if you accidentally step on one, yes, you have that authority. But that's not literally what he's talking about. This is an analogy. Colossians tells us that to his death and resurrection, Jesus took away all the power that Satan had. And James 1 and 4 and 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, God wouldn't tell you to do something, and that something would happen if he wasn't backing it up. Let me say that again. If God said either that or God's a liar, and I can tell you after 48 years, God's not a liar. Okay, I can tell you that from personal experience. But he says, submit yourself therefore to God. In other words, do what God tells you to do. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He doesn't have a choice. Why? Because the greater one dwells within you. And so we learned last week, fear is a spirit, must be dealt with spiritually. Don't panic. Remember whose you are in Christ and that he loves you and you have his promise of protection. And remember that you have authority in the name of Jesus in line with his will. Now, let me just take a side note there. There's a lot of people who have misused that. They go around... They go around saying, oh, in the name of Jesus, this, in the name of Jesus, that. Listen, your authority in the name of Jesus is only in line with His will. Only in line with His will. If what you're believing God for isn't in line with His will, it's, let me put it to you this way. So you work for a company. No, let me, let me back up. A law enforcement officer, let's say from Canada, comes down here catches Jerry speeding, okay, pulls Jerry over. I'm going to give you a ticket for speeding. Now, Jerry, what would you say to that law enforcement, that Mountie from Canada? What would you say to him? You have no authority. You have no authority. That's right. But on the other hand, what he gives you, the ticket he gives you, carries no authority in it either. 
That's the way it is as a child of God. The enemy has no authority in your life unless you give it to him. And then finally, resist the fear by aligning your thoughts in your mouth with the word of God. Notice that, aligning your thoughts in your mouth with the word of God. These are tied up together. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Are y'all still here this morning? Okay. You're laughing at me. Well, thank you, sister. I don't either. So that's why I'm glad I'm here. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read this from three different uh, versions, if you don't mind. I'm going to read it from the International Children's Bible, the J.B. Phillips translation, and the New Living Translation, just because of the way it puts it. It's so clear and so good. The International Children's Bible says this, Do not be shaped by this world. In other words, don't give in to fear like the world does. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Hmm. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you, and you will be able to know what is good and pleasing to God and what is perfect. J.B. Phillips says it this way, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. In other words, giving in to fear. This is why, let me say this, this is why Christians, are, a true Christian is such a threat to the world. Let me tell you why. When you go on a job, normally the control the, the, the boss has over you is, I'm going to fire you. But if you're a child of God, that doesn't bother you. You know why? Because I'm going to work at that job to please God. I'm a my loyalties are transitional. I'm pleasing God. Now, if I please God, my boss is going to love me. He's going to love the way I work. But see, if he fires me for no reason at all, guess what? God gave me the job. God will give me another one. It's no big deal. And so people of the world can't control us because they can't bring fear into our life. Why? Well, because we trust God. J.B. Phillips says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Isn't that wonderful? That is so good. Here's why it's so important that we renew our mind to the Word of God. Everything in life, and I spoke about this several weeks ago, just brought it up. Everything in life that you live is either fact or truth. Now let me explain that. Fact is the way things are. It's a fact that I'm standing here in front of you. Okay? That's a fact. It's a fact that this is blue. But truth is what God says that we can have as his children. And sometimes fact and truth are the same. Sometimes they're the same. Okay? But everything is either fact or truth. Fact is fear-based. Fact 
many times is fear-based. Faith is knowledge-based. Now, some people seem to think that Christians who renew their minds to the Word of God are this off in la-la land somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. God's going to take care of it. No, that's no. You don't lose your mind. That's not the way it is. Let me share with you what I mean by the fact that faith is knowledge-based. Now, Dave, I'm going to pick on you, David Hines. David, you came down here in your vehicle. And when we get done eating and fellowshipping, and I really appreciate you coming down, when you go to leave, are you going to need me to stand by your vehicle with a battery charger? Now, don't get religious with me. Just, are you going to need me to stand by your battery? No. Okay, well, either you do or you don't. You want me to stand by? No. Why not? It's been starting good. His knowledge says it's been starting good. His faith in saying, I don't need you to have a battery charger by me, has been starting good. And so his knowledge, he has faith when he turns the key. It's going to start. Matter of fact, if it didn't, he'd say, well, what's the matter with this thing? But you see what I'm saying? And so understand that fear is oftentimes fear-based and faith is knowledge-based. Fear is based upon deception. Oh, you know, boy, I hope we get a good crop this year. Boy, every year, I know every third year or every second year, every other year, boy, we have hail and it just wipes us out. Oh, cattle, I hope we have a, I hope we don't get real cold this year and bad weather when it's calving you know just about every year this happens and oh so fear 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 but God offers us a way out of fear now let me share something with you every miracle that Jesus performed was performed for several reasons number one to bring honor and glory to God the Father Number, can you say amen to that? Amen. Okay. Number two, to bless people and benefit people. That's what he wanted to do. Number three, to draw them towards him. And number four, to show us, not only the people then, but to show us who came along later, that Jesus in his name, he has authority over every part of our life. Let me explain. Your daily provision. What did he do? He fed 5,000 men of what? Five loaves and two fishes. He stretched it. God wanted you to know that he had authority over provision. And when the checkbook doesn't meet the end of the month, so what? He can stretch it. When they said, Jesus said, would you Launch out a little bit farther and put your nets on the other side. And Peter said, we were here all night. Those were seasoned fishermen. We didn't catch anything. Nevertheless, it's your word. And it was so much the boat started to think. God was trying to show them, hey, I've got authority over your daily provisions. Finances. When it was time for taxes, he told Peter, go down, catch a fish. And the first fish you catch 
open his mouth, and there's the exact amount you need, the money. Now don't leave here and say, I'm going fishing, honey. Why? Because Pastor Tiller said, if I go fishing, I'm going to catch money. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What God was trying to get you to understand was that he'll provide for you financially. What about healing? God wanted to show us that you know what? He has authority over our bodies even. He has authority over our bodies and he can make them well. He gave us doctors. Hey, listen, praise God for doctors. There'd probably be a lot of dead Christians if it weren't for skilled physicians. Okay, I thank God for them. And good doctors are of the Lord. But he wanted us to know that he had authority over this physical body. And when, when he, and, and that when he healed the brokenhearted, and he would say to them in the storm when they were afraid, peace, be still. He wanted you to know that he had authority over your mind. He could calm when things, hey listen, I don't mind telling you, this has been a pretty tumultuous time for me. And I'm not, I don't want, I don't want you to walk around saying, pretty, but just all of a sudden, and you know what? I've had to go to the Lord and say, hey, go, hey Lord, you know, I, ne I need some help. And I've had some good worship times with the Lord and a calming of my mind. And then raising the dead. Oh, okay. I, you know, uh, I wonder what it was like to be Lazarus in a tomb and have Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth. Ooh. That had to be something. Yeah. I heard a, there's a, a gospel song out and four guys are bringing in a, a litter to Jesus of a lame man. And the first man says, you know, uh, when I was lame, and Jesus healed me, but this guy's condition is a whole lot worse than mine. I don't think Jesus can heal him. And the second guy, who's got the other side, he said, you know, I had leprosy and Jesus cleansed me and made me well, but this guy's, this guy's condition is a whole lot worse than mine. I don't think Jesus is going to be able to heal him. And the song goes on and the third guy comes along and he says, hey, listen, boy, when I was in darkness and I was in chains and, and, and just wrapped up in chains and all of that, but you know what? This guy's condition is so much worse than mine. I don't think Jesus can heal him. And they all three turned to look at the fourth man to see what he had to say about doubt and unbelief. And the fourth man said, my name is Lazarus. Can I testify? Can you imagine that? Man. And when Jesus raised the dead, you know what he did? He wanted us to know, hey, listen, if need necessitates, I can raise the dead. And then finally, by his death and resurrection, he let us know he had power over death itself when we die, that we can live forever. That we can live forever. But here's the key. God offers us a way out of having fear in our life. And that is that we began to replace that fear 
that deception with the Word of God. And I see my time is up, and so I'll continue this next week. But here's the key. Here's why it's so important that you renew your mind. Two things. Two things. I failed in math in school. Okay, I'm holding up four fingers. Number one, the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, what you think is what you're going to become. You know, when people, when soldiers come back from Afghanistan and they've lost their legs and that, when they wake up, you know, the first thing they tell them, you're going to walk again. You're going to walk. Why? They want that in their mind. Not, oh, what am I going to do? No. Even the world without God knows that. And so what you think is what you become. And number two, Jesus himself said this. What you think in your heart is what you're going to speak out of your mouth. Now, Dave, would you stand up? It's so important that you renew your mind. And I thank Alice and Dave Gibbs. They, they helped me. Dave, at the end of the service, when you go to leave, Dave will be standing back there by the door. He's got some five by eight cards. Dave, may I have one of those? Five by six cards. And I have written on here, I've got written on here, two, four, six, eight. I've got nine scriptures that I've written on here about God's protection. If you want one, God, he's not going to force them on you, but if you want one on your way out, Grab one. Learn these. I cannot tell you how important it is to renew your mind to the Word of God. Let me tell you what the world says about Owen Childers. I should be an alcoholic. I should have died in my mid-50s from heart attack or liver problems. Or I should be in prison. That's what the world says. But I want you to know Jesus changed that. He changed that. And I never wanted to be a minister of the gospel, but I'm privileged that he let me teach. And so when you leave, you can pick one of these up from him. Learn them. Begin to renew your mind. You know, next week I'll begin to share with you how what you think up here is what you speak out here. Let me just say one other thing. Jesus told a lot of parables, but my favorite, and the reason it's my favorite, is because it's the only one, and you've heard me say this before, that Jesus said to the disciples and the public, he said, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of the other parables. And you know what the parable was about? The sower sowing the seed, and you know what the seed was? The seed was the word of God. And he said, when you get the word of God in you here, you're going to see a harvest. It'll come out here. It'll come out of your mouth in the way you act. Yes, I know it's been abused. I understand that. But again, just because something, listen, that's the devil that does that. He wants us to quit doing it. And so when you leave, you can pick this up. Let's pray. Lord, how good you are. Wow. You know, you've 
not only given us your son, and he's redeemed us from the kingdom of darkness, but you've given us your word, and your word is spirit, and it's life, and, and Lord, what can we say? Lord, help us to begin to understand how much you love us. And that you do not want us to be held captive by fear. You do not want that. And you've given us your word. And Father, I, I, I don't need to see the hands. I don't need to know. But I know that there are people here this morning and people who are going to listen to the podcast who are held captive by fear. They won't tell anybody, but it's there. But Lord, I can attest that this works. Renewing our mind. And help us, help us to start a scripture at a time. And Lord, break the chains. Break the chain of fear. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Do you want to sing a song and then, or we're going to have communion, right? Okay. Um.